All right. Well, welcome everyone to another edition of Stand Up for the Blue and Green. Uh, once again, York United supporters groups. We're we're here to chat all things York United from a fan perspective. Um, so that said, lads, how's everyone doing? I'm doing great. I just came back from coaching. Uh, just got home in time for the uh, Twitter space, and I'm looking forward for the uh, topics that we're going to discuss. Awesome, awesome. Jason, how are you, buddy? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, excited about all the action that's going on in the York United universe this week. We're going to have a lot <laughs> to talk about player movement for sure, but we'll definitely uh, yeah, get a lot to talk to, so I'll, I'll stop rambling here, but I'm doing well. Thanks. Ronan, how are you? Yeah, all good, man. Yeah, it's been an interesting week. Uh, not the result we wanted the other day. I'm sure we'll get right into that. But other than that, spoiling my week, it's been all good, man. Excellent. All right, well, we'll do a quick table recap here, and then we'll we'll get into some discussion topics. So uh, um, as it stands right now, at least last time I checked, we're sitting on seventh in the table on 17 points. Uh, six points above eighth, 14 points out of the playoffs, uh, which are still a possibility at this point. Um, and we have, uh, unfortunately, at this point, everyone except for Edmonton and Calvary have some games in hand. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's where we find ourselves right now. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, it's been it's been a weird all season. I have to say, at the start of the season, I was expecting an awful lot better. It's been pretty tough so far. Uh, results have been patchy. I know we had the the injuries, uh, and then we beat Halifax, and then you think everything's all good, and then we had that performance there the other night against Fowler, and it's just like deflated again. But if I'm going to be positive, one thing I've been saying all season is like the average age of our squad is. Is quite young. I know we've been getting the, the young players' minutes and stuff. One thing I like is the last two transfers. It seems like we're finally trying to get a little bit of experience in. Um, I don't know what, what you glads think. It's it's kind of like a, a, a shifting focus, which I, I kind of like. I think it, we were missing that during the season. Like some like kind of more experienced players just to carry the young guys through Like when we go when we go down or, you know, that kind of thing, guys who've seen it and done it before. Um, before, before we get deep into all of this, I'd just like to um, ask maybe how uh, the gaffer is doing because he was sick. I hope he's up on his feet and everything and his family are okay. Just like throw that in there before we get deep into everything. Any info? Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't seen an update myself, but... Uh... I think Angus will join us at some point here, and we can probably find out what's going on there if he's able to. Yeah, okay, um, cool, good. Let's let's yeah, go with the rest thing, Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe this would be an interesting time to ask uh, to ask Ian what he thinks about York and their position on the table. If he's if he's there with a with a comment. Um, to be honest, uh, obviously calling the game the other day, um, called the game as well um, against Pacific, and. There's so many positives for some reason, and whether it reverts back to the squad being not taken away from them, but being run by a lot of young players, which I know that's the aim, and I know, and obviously Angus has that sight, and 
uh, now she has that sight and trying to get these players minutes and experience and everything. But reverting back to what I heard before, there, there is a little bit of a lack of experience in, in places when you go behind, when you go ahead against like the Pacific game for, for, for instance, they go ahead and everything looked rosy and then it just blew up. I know they're, they're a very, very good team and they, they did finish the game very well, but should be able to see the game out if, if, if you know what I mean. And, Unearthed some very good players over like last season, this season. Um, Osazi Di Rosario, obviously, following in his, his pop's footsteps, and he's he's been very good, but very sporadic with the way he's playing. Um, he's either really good or he's not involved. Um, and I, I, if you guys listened to the game the other day, obviously you did. I'm a massive, massive fan of Isaiah Johnston. I think he's uh, he's one of the best young players, if not the best young player in the league. But again, he needs help. Um, and w- looking round up, I see brought Mo Babuli back in this year or this today, wasn't it? Um, and he was very, very good at at Forge. Obviously, we've seen that, and he's a very experienced player. So hopefully, he gives De Rosario and Johnson a, b- a little bit more help. Um, but there's a lot of good signs, and I'd, as a fan, because obviously I'm a football fan myself, when results aren't going your way. It's it's very easy to get negative and and lose lose hope in what's what the actual long term goal is, and I think unearthing a lot of young players and giving them time to learn how to be professionals, essentially that's what is happening in a, a lot across the league, is these players are learning how to be pros, they're getting from university or college into professional soccer, and it's it's a long road. But some of them are taking it in their stride. Some of them are taking a little bit longer. And that's not a hit at them, but that's how it happens with different players. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's obviously been a focus the last two years um, to build that youth into the side. Um, when you consider how quickly York's eclipsed the uh, under 21 minutes. Um, and I guess that brings it up. I mean, I mean we're, we're all quite happy when we see that because we understand, the, you know, we see the importance of, of giving young players opportunities in this country. Um, uh, you know, do you have thoughts on that that aspect of the way the league is set up, and and if that's more of a help or a hindrance, something that's that's really important for what we're trying to do here? Um, I think I think it needed to be done. We've always we, people have been asking for a Canadian league for years and years and years. And don't get me wrong, players like myself, Marcel De Jong when he came in, David Edgar, uh, Kyle Becker, even even now. Uh, Dejan Jakovic, these these players came into the league to try and add experience. I unfortunately never made the cut, um, but other players have done it and they've come over. And I I think you need to have a healthy blend. I I like the fact that a lot of teams, well, majority of teams have a lot of young Canadian players. I'd love to see like some of some of the foreigners who've come in have been have been quality. Like you, you speak to any Pacific fan right now, would they exchange Alejandro Diaz with anybody? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But I, I think those some of those experienced players coming in, rather than them being foreigners, why aren't they? This is my hit, and I've, I've said this on multiple podcasts. Why aren't they older Canadian players? 31-year-old, 32-year-old, even 35-year-old, if you want to go that high. I know they probably request a little bit more money, and I know that's where... There's a there's a very very thin line, um, but 
I think a lot of them would also jump at the chance of coming back home. So I think that something that obviously Angus knows a little bit more about that side of the game than I do, but from my aspect and, and calling the games and uh, being involved in a lot of stuff, um, I'd like to see a, a few more senior Canadian players who've, who've possibly been abroad or been down be able to pass on the, the torch and teach some of these younger players how to be professional. Right on, right on. Maybe we'll bring, maybe it's a good time to bring Angus into the mix here. Um, Angus, how are you? I'm good, thanks, guys. Uh, good to speak to you. It's been an interesting couple of days. Um, you know, we've seen a, a young player who's who's uh, popular with the fan base for his uh, fearlessness and his desire to get stuck in, leave. We've also seen someone with massive experience come in. So, you know, obviously showing we're not we're not giving up on the season by any stretch and, and our opportunities for the playoffs. Uh, do you want to speak to the transfer business we've had in the last couple of days? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's been busy. Um, but it, I think that's just where we are with the coaching staff, the playing group as well, in terms of discussions with them over what we need in terms of to do some things to drive the culture, keep the culture that we have within the playing group moving forward. Um, and that's not settling. Um wherever we are in the season, wherever we are in the table right now, um, we're not going to settle. And I think there's been, and, and, and look, Owen and Rob and the guys in the media team do a great job of keeping me up to date with sentiment and where things stand, where things look at. I think there's been a lot of nonsense written about number of players who've been through the squad this year. I think people have got to remember to an extent some of that some of that is development permits and the purpose of a development permit is sort of one in, in cases of extreme hardship, but two, as we've used it to actually get a look at players under the age of 18 and bring them into a pro environment sooner um, so that you strike the balance between signing players for an under 21 minute sort of need, but also still performing your role as a professional football club and exploring what's there and what's next. So much of what's been happening with development permits and things like that is guys that we have one eye on the future on. Um, and they're not necessarily a, a right now sort of piece and where we sit there. Um, but in terms of like, bringing in Mo, everyone knows his quality. He's been a fan of the Canadian Premier League and has watched it over the first three seasons. Um he made a big impact when he came in at the Island Games for Forge. He was then fantastic last year. And I would say he was good in CPL play. He was exceptional in their um, CONCACAF run um, there at Forge. And I think really showed his quality in those games. Uh, he's been away playing overseas in Qatar. And it was one that look, everyone's aware of him, but we got word that there might be an opportunity um, very early this week. Chat to Nashi on it. And from that phone call at 9am um, in the morning, we had a deal agreed with Mo by sort of half past 11. Um, and it was a case of piecing it together and getting going. And I think that showed Mo we were really serious. And it also showed us that 
it wasn't something he was wanting to shop about. He was serious about coming to play for us as well and uh, being involved in our project. So that was really pleasing. And it was literally sorted, done, dusted. And before contracts were signed, I was asking, all right, what time What time do you want me in for training tomorrow? Um, and that's the kind of guy we've got. And that's going to be really important for us for driving the environment forward. Um, the other move today, um, a tough one, if you're the honest truth. And I don't know if anyone read the comments on the release. Um, Cedric leaving is probably one of the toughest moves we've had to make. Um, there is a value on him right now um, within the league because of his age, because of other teams' needs with under 21 minutes. Um, and so we sort of looked at that and it was a good move for everybody. Um, we then get Matthew back to us in return. Um, again, someone who's a little bit more experienced, large number of games, has also played in uh, USL with uh, the Whitecaps partner club there when he was part of the academy. And yeah, really interested to see what he can do. And it gives us a really good opportunity for him to come in and have a real look at him. Um, and, and quite frankly, for us both, because he's a West Coast boy coming to this side of the country for the first time um, and sort of make sure it's a good fit for us both and see if there could be something there for next season as well with him. So a um, bit sweet one with Cedric because we really do rate him as a player. Um, but it's just one that, seemed the right move for all parties. Um, he's going to get a lot of playing time there. I actually think he could be really important for them with what he brings and his energy and some of their CONCACAF games over the next couple of weeks as well. Um, and so just a good fit. And again, deal done quite, quite easily with those guys out there. Um, we're able to chat to them. We're able to get on well with them. We worked with them pretty well in the off-season to set up a pre-season. Um, so, yeah, got that one done and uh, we keep moving forward. And so uh, Matthew will probably not be in the squad for this weekend. Um, he's just going to arrive in to town, I think, Saturday. So won't be available for this weekend, um, but will be available the week after. And Mo, we're working through his, um, his international transfer clearance now. Um, and so we, we would hope that that can be fixed uh, in time for the weekend. Um, but we sort of sit and uh, unweighed a little bit on that one. But we're hoping that Mo's going to be available for the weekend as well. Yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be fantastic. Um, for sure. yeah, fantastic addition for sure at that stage. So look, um, hey, before you jump in the red, I think I'll do this, Angus. I'll just say let's uh, time for our favorite segment here. It's Q&A with the boss. So, uh, Ian, Ian and the lads, if you guys have questions for Gus, now's your chance. Let's uh, let's see what we have for him. I've I've got a question for Gus. Hi, Angus. I hope you're doing all right. Yeah. Um, just a quick one. I mean, you've just talked a bit about transfers. Uh, so, coming from a Pyrak, are we done? Do you think for the next week or so for transfers? Because it seems to be like every week we've got some movements. How, how do, what do you think? Um, well, our roster's full, so I can't bring anyone else in unless there's a movement out. Uh, um, 
And there are still players we continue to take phone calls on. So um, it's where we are. It's where the league is. And that's, to be honest, it's hard. Um, and when you actually look at us this year, um, losing Absey when we did has 100% hurt. But it was the right move for the player and it was the right move for the club. Um, and it's just where we are in our development and our evolution as a league right now. Um, Pacific would not have wanted to have lost Diaz this week, but it's where we are. Um, and there are, I would probably go as far as say there are two clubs in world football who have the luxury of not being selling clubs. Um, one in Manchester and one in Paris, maybe one in Newcastle now, but they're still working their own stuff out. But the rest of us, when there is bids, when there is activity, um, and when there are deals to be done, it's it's one of your main revenue streams. Um, and it's also an, it's an important one for us as a league to continue to show progress and to create a trading history. If one of the eight teams is selfish and says no to these things, it casts us all in a really bad light. So where we're all making progress and moves out for cavalry, uh, cavalry players being sold, Pacific players being sold, a few of our guys going this year, that's all massive positives because that's more eyeballs, that's more scouts. That will be as well with the opening of borders, more in-person scouts coming and looking at our guys. Um, but we're also blessed with some really good production on our sort of games with Media Pro. And that means that a lot of people, when they log into Scout or Instat, are able to get really good quality footage and a really good quality look at the players that are taking part in the Canadian Premier League every week. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I got it. I have other questions, but I'm going to ask them uh, when we're at three matches uh, to go. In the when, once we start playing more home matches, I'll get into those. Someone else, yeah. Hey Angus, how's uh, how's our boy Nico doing? Uh, that injury against Valor looked uh, pretty bad. Is it something we should be concerned of, or is something, uh, or is it something that is very light and we should be expecting to come back soon? Yeah, uh, we're still monitoring it. He's day to day. Um... Uh, at this minute in time, much is the way with ankles. I mean, we the initial scans and things like that showed that it, it wasn't bone um, and there wasn't any kind of break or anything in there, which um, was actually a bit of a concern at first look. Um, just the way he fell, was it something that he, he could have chipped something? Could he have dislocated something? It just didn't look very fun at all the way he got stuck um, there. So he's sort of day-to-day at this minute in time and we'll see where he is. Um, I think it's going to be a tough one for him to get ready for this week, but we'll see where we are in the next couple of days. They had an off day today, so we'll see what he's he's like when he's back in tomorrow on Saturday. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, Angus. How are you? Not bad, not bad at all. Uh, just actually, it's something Ian brought up there at, uh, at the start. What, what would your opinion be on uh, clubs like us and other CPL teams um, 
going for like as you said seasoned Canadian players coming back from Europe and whatever um, to finish out their careers in the CPL yeah I think we've all had decent chats with people um, I think it, it's a little bit of catch-22 with um, that yes they'd like to potentially come back and play but maybe we're just not quite there in our evolution in what we can offer them and when we can offer them. So obviously you've got guys finishing up in Europe and um, coming in mid season, there's not necessarily always cash to make it happen within the salary cap and make it worthwhile for these guys to relocate families and come across the other side of the world. Um, and and that's only one part of it. The next part of it is, well, well, what is there in infrastructure across the clubs and things with, um, be it academies or youth or performance programs to get these guys on a coaching pathway and other elements as well. So um, we certainly love to. There are some examples of it where it's worked really well at some other clubs. Uh, I think Cavalry have done a good job with that, with some of the veterans coming back. Forge definitely did as well early on. Um, but there's there's only so many. Um, I think probably the big jump on that in terms of Canadians coming back and things on, on that path will probably be when you see the shakeout of the Canadian MLS teams um, and some more MLS veterans. Um, if they're willing to come to the league and roll their sleeves up and be part of like the development pathway and bring some younger players on as well. Um, I think that's as realistic as, as guys coming back from Europe. Um, and it's about the opportunities and about the overall soccer ecosystem that's being created here. Um, it's got to get much bigger. Um, it's got to get so much bigger um, if we're going to continue and make sure that there's sustained success for Canada and that it's not just a good generation. Um, we've got to put a lot of work into infrastructure um, and a lot of work into the performance programs and into everything that's needed for things to flourish in the country. Um, the CPL's a great start. There's a lot more that needs to go on beyond that as well. Um, and there's a lot more that the CPL and the owners around the league want to build and are willing to invest in in time as well. Exciting! Exciting to think about that when uh, Vancouver comes about. That's twenty-three more, you know, players on on the field or on the bench to hire. It's another coach and the, another GM. And when uh, whenever Saskatoon comes about, whenever Windsor comes about, that's uh, another uh, again twenty-two, twenty-three uh, players that can make it on teams versus when it's seven, eight teams. Yeah, it's a a little bit tougher. I can it, see that it's sure. tougher, but I think right now the big issue in player dilution is that when we look at under 21 minutes over the next couple of years, it's going to be really tough um, because we're speaking about the 18-year-olds that would start to enter that threshold for pro soccer now who've not played in the last two years with COVID. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a vacuum right now of kids who've played matches, quite frankly. Um, and so we've we've got to have a look at that, and um, we've really, really got to try and get everything we can to get performance structures in place that are going to just continue to let things flourish across the country. 
I'll, uh, I'll actually go ahead and, and ask a question about uh, th- these moves have been really exciting this week. I'm, I'm personally thrilled about Babuli all the way from Toronto FC days through watching him at Forge. He's, I think, a, a great player for what we need is, is that finish. Um, but uh, I actually want to go back to what's almost funny. It's, it's almost older news now, but I'm sure it happened this week. Uh, what can you say about our transferred to the uh, Vancouver uh, Vancouver Whitecaps 2 of uh, one of our, our players that has, has been outstanding, uh, Mr. Lowell Wright. We're very happy to see him go to that level, and he's, it's going to be fun seeing him actually with uh, Angaro, I believe, there will be his teammate for next season, and he can definitely challenge as he goes on for the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps MLS side. So, uh, yeah, you want to speak a little bit about that? A transfer of right? Yeah, no problem at all. I mean, um, actually, the club that uh, Diaz has gone to in Norway inquired about Lowell, and we had some decent discussions with them. Uh, We accepted a bid that their board then pulled back um, just before uh, and sort of chopped their sporting director at the knees a little bit just before the uh, Lowell went with Canada under-20s. Um, and so there was some other interest there for him and there's been interest for a long time. Um, Lowell had a pretty disrupted pre-season and wasn't able to, to come with us out west and was then able to rejoin us in Toronto um, about two, three days after we were back. And then I think we had about seven to ten days, then the season started uh, then he missed the Edmonton game because he was away with Canada um, for the next two games. And then he was back in with us, I think, for four games, something like that. And then he was away again with the under-20s. So I think what Lowell's been signed on um, in terms of recent history is what he did for us last season. The promise he showed at the Island Games as a 16-turning 17-year-old um, and it's crazy in terms of Lowell Wright is for me the story of the f- first sort of four years of the Canadian Premier League because he turns 19 in a matter of days and he's got 50 professional games or close to 50 professional games. Now, that wasn't happening for Canadian players. Um, and that's why Lowell is all the natural ability in the world, but that's why he's got he's got interest because he's got opportunity. Um, I absolutely think he's just such a brilliant kid, so up, so bouncy, so bubbly, so happy, um, and great to be around the team environment. And um, Axel and the Whitecaps boys, they've got the chance to sort of polish a little bit of a diamond there. That he's got all the ability in the world. Um, with the support they give him, it's it's on him. He's really got every opportunity and the way the deal is structured with those guys. Yes, there are a lot of performance incentives in the deal and we'll do very well from it if he hits them all. But if Lowell hits all the performance incentives, I'm more excited in the sell-on um, that we would receive as a club because he will be worth something very significant um, if he's a player with... 20-plus Canada caps um, and the trajectory of that national team right now. So that's the way we looked at it um, and that's the way our ownership looked at it is that there was no need to be 
sort of penny rich, pound poor on this because we believe in Lowell's long-term future as well. Um, and we could see a real, real return um, if he's successful at that club. And that return would be great. But I think we'd all just like the luxury of saying, saw him at York Line Stadium first um, when he's a superstar. Yeah, we absolutely love that. Yeah, Lowell, uh, he... He broke the youngest goal score record in that uh, Island Games year when he was 16, which is incredible to think about because even even now when he's like um, 18, I get I think this is his birthday this week or coming yeah. up very soon to turn 19, but still, yeah, still got. I'd love to. to go. <laughs> I, I'd love to, and he's getting pretty quiet. I'd love to get as a, as a striker like Hume's sort of opinion on Lowell and how he's watched him over the first couple of years in the league as well. To be honest, absolutely adore the kid. Um, as a player, I think he's got something that a lot of modern-day strikers don't have, and that's a natural eye for goal. Um, you get a lot of kids come through, and I've been fortunate. I've actually called quite a lot of York United games, and especially since him and Johnston came through. And they, for one, for me, had a great reading of the game together. Lowell Wright, when he gets in the box, like he was last last season, I think it was Cavalry he came on sub against. And he just rolled the center back, like no problem. Like ball comes into his chest, back to goal, arm around the guy, rolled a grown man like he was a baby and put it in the top corner. And seeing that from a kid so young is the modern era of players being coached although they're very technical and very fast and athletic and very skilled, a lot of the old-fashioned just get in the box, hit the target, get your shots off, that sort of thing isn't coached into players early enough for me. Um, they try to mold this diamond into a, into a great footballer who can play in multiple positions, but when it comes to specific areas, especially being a goal scorer, is something that's... It comes natural. And watching Lowell Wright do that to men, is it's enjoyable for me. And I've had a couple of to and fro's with him on Twitter. And like right after that game, I, I tweeted right away, like, what a player. This kid's going to be something special, something like that. And he replied, thanks very much, whatever. But I'm a massive fan of players like him. Um, to see him go to Vancouver, it's, it's a big step. Obviously, it's a loss for, for York, but... Like Angus said, it's it's one of those. I mean, you get the opportunity to to help a kid in his career like that, and in the way he has, the long term, everything will be looked back at where he started, and that's that's a massive thing for York, and obviously the financial side of things. If he reaches the the height that everyone's hoping and expecting, then that's even going to be even bigger, and I think his career with the right coaching, with the right people around him. I think it's something that is, it's going to be exciting. And he just has to get himself a little bit of tweaks here and there. But again, he's not even 19 yet. So it's, uh, it's one of those. It's exciting to see him go to that, that level. I hope he gets chances eventually, if I'm not saying right away, but eventually with the, the Whitecaps first team. But he's, he's in a great environment. He's in a great setup out there. And it's it's down to him now. It's the coaches will do what they can, but if Luel Wright wants to make it, he will. 
could you um could you just imagine uh, the chance that he would have even to have a few minutes to talk with um El Tanque over in Vancouver? Can you imagine that? Um Cavallino players like that. Oh, and he will. 100% he will. Um he'll be in and around, yeah. he'll be able to talk to them, he'll um you'll be training with them. There's a lot of the times they'll be training together and it's an environment that'll will only help him. If he's willing to do it, like that's obviously the question. You can you can you can give somebody so many things, but if they're reluctant to push, then but I think Lowell Wright's got the the right mindset whenever I've heard him speak, whenever I've heard him do interviews or anything for such a young man to speak the way he does and to show the ambition and where he wants to be. I think getting out there and being a part of that and I think it's a it's a great opportunity for him and he'll he'll only flourish if he if he's willing to take things on board. I suppose so, dude, this is this is the balance that we're all we're all we're all trying to manage as, as supporters and fans of the game because there's that side of you that that wants to see those opportunities and, and the, the Canadian part of the game grow. Um but then there's those those of us, you know, that are getting invested in the club at the club level too and and having to sort of accept that this is part of that that give and take that goes on in the developing league when it's only a couple of years old and clubs are trying to establish themselves and, and gain a foothold and be sustainable. Um, you know, these, these, these things are going to happen. We're going to start to fall in love with some of these players. We're going to have to accept that um, it's, it's part of the growth of the league. I mean, it's, it, it's just is what it is in terms of where our ecosystem is at right now. No, 100%. And Angus will obviously be, sorry, Angus to interrupt there. Angus will be able to say a little bit more on that, but, it's it it is what it is. It's it's a it's a it's a fledgling league, and I was a part of similar when they they began the Indian Super League out in India, um, when right. the young they were they were getting bought by the bigger team in the league and or they were moving abroad and it's uh it's what the league is for. It's development of Canadian players. It's not not saying that they don't want the instant um, the impact on the fans and having fifty thousand seater stadium filled. But if we continue the player development and like we said before, if we have one, two, three more teams coming in, you're going to have 60-odd, 70-odd more Canadian players getting game time. That's what it's about. It's Obviously, people look at it and they think, oh, well, what's the, what's the financial gain for players? Well, that's not what it's about. it's about. It's about playing the game and getting more minutes. And I was fortunate enough to move abroad when I was 15, but a lot of these players don't have to go abroad. These, they're they're at home playing in front of their families and friends and being able to be professional footballers, which is something this this country's been crying out for. I want to bring in um, a three-lettered word that I don't think I've heard today. Um, it's called win. Um, I know that it's a development league, and I mean we all support all of the things that. Uh, you've said, and Angus has definitely said. But I want to just ask a question, uh, maybe of Ian, and Angus, you can throw in something. But um, as a player, when, um, you know, you look, we're all looking at the table. I, I, I know the fans, we're all looking at the table. We've got eight or nine games to go. We're 14 points out. Um, there might, unfortunately, come a point where we say we might not make it to the top four, and certainly not three. Um, what's it like for being in a dressing room or even as a player, a young player or an older player, when um, you've got to keep going? Um, how, how does that work in, in, in the back? 
Um, who's keeping the pride? Who's keeping the motivation? And do players tend at some point to start becoming individually focused? Can you say something about that, Ian, please? Um, it's a, unfortunately for, for football, it's not a, an individual sport. So if you're not doing well and your team's not doing well, nobody's going to succeed. You're not going to get a move. You're not, if, you're, if you're eager to get a move and you're trying to push your, your damnedest to get a move for yourself, if you're not doing your part in the team and the team's not winning games and not at least showing up, then you're never going to get the success that you're, you're selfishly wanting for yourself. So for me, you look at that. I look across your team sheet. You look at your Roger Thompson's, Zator's, Wilson's. I don't think these guys accept second best. I know the results, and listen, I'm not, I'm not naive about that. I know the results aren't going that way. But I've called a couple games this year that they should have got three points. And it's like just not having that end product in certain points, whether it be at the back or up front, not being ruthless enough at times. But I could say that about majority of the teams in the league who I've called games on. So it's finding that efficiency and finding a way to be consistent. And you look, and I, I know it's, it's an easy out in a way, if you say it this way, it's an easy out saying it's got the most under 21 minutes and they're the youngest team. And it's an easy out to say that. But these kids are learning, learning, learning. And if you keep the squad together, they're only going to get better. You add one or two missing pieces, they're they're learning their trade. They're they're still trying to find out. And I know as a fan, it must be frustrating because you want to go out and watch a team win. But they're not. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Not trying, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? They're they're still going out and giving their all. You can see it on their faces. Oh yeah, yeah. We so, talk we've talked to them after the games. So. Absolutely. Yeah, they yeah, they're not there. You see it on their faces. Yeah, yeah, we know it. We know it. We definitely see it. Yeah. I was just I, trying to get into the dressing room, you know, kind of thing. No, I can I, I can answer that a little bit and and in our dressing room, um like Ian's pretty much nailed it in terms of your Zats, Rog, Jordan, Taz now he's come in, Nico as well. Exactly who would you expect? Guys that are more senior players. Um are pretty annoyed. Um, and I, I say pretty annoying. I nearly said a couple of sweary words there, but I remember that this has been recorded as well, and that wouldn't be the right way to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they are more than pretty annoyed. Um, and frankly, in terms of, and, and Ian, I've known this for years as a footballer, it's work. If you're having a crap day at your job, you know that there's people over your shoulder putting pressure on you. Um, and these guys have fixed-term contracts, and they know that they've got to be performing for another one. Um, and that's the reality of it, and that's what they signed up for. Um, and they all know that, and they all accept that. Um, they're not happy. Um, but and I don't want to harp onto it because I don't like the excuses on it, but you've mentioned there, Ed, as well, like a, a shift in how we look at and we recruit and experience. But when you actually look at the experience that's been robbed from us from injuries in Mikey, Ollie, Austin Ricci, Rog for large portions of the year as well, like that's a lot in that group. 
Um, and when you have that, plus the players that we've mentioned as well, who are driving it on a day-to-day basis, the balance wasn't far off um, in senior positions. Um, there was a point after the Cavalry and Forge games where things were really bubbling away quite nicely for the squad. And then some of these injuries, um, the timing of the move of Absey because of his club's need for him to actually get there for pre-season and actually get to Morocco as well for him to complete some passport and immigration stuff before he got there as well. Um had an effect on timing um, and you've got to go along with that sometimes for the check to make things happen in football as well and when people are writing the checks you're on their time not yours and it's not perfect uh, Poe were really gracious and understanding of what we had in the Canadian Championship and he nearly pulled off a worldie there in that game without free kick against them when it was still nil-nil Um and that, again, is another point. When it's still nil-nil against Vancouver, we had a moment. It didn't quite happen. And that's a set piece, but in a game where we needed to be ruthless and every single thing to go in, you need that for you some every week in the CPL as well. But when you look at our season as well, the other frustrating thing is that like, I think we sit third in the league in expected goals conceded. Well, that takes into account the fact that we've conceded seven penalties that are worth 0.76 expected goals each time as well. Um, We cut those mistakes out. We're in a very different place as well. Um, And some of those errors are are probably more frustrating than anything of youth or or anything else like that Um, because it's, it's not down to all of our young players and things like that that have conceded some of them. Um, everyone's had mistakes. I think we've paid quite a high price for them this year. Um, and you don't want it to be a learning moment, but, geez, it fair is um, for the guys when when that happens. And you bring up Ollie too, and I can't, I can't help but think, you know, you look back to – there was a point there where it felt like with all the time off he'd had from his previous injury that he was just starting to get up to speed and kick on, and then he – has that that just sort of out of nowhere. You're looking up to the pitch and all of a sudden he's down on the ground. And I don't know, that felt like a a gut punch to me and it almost seemed to cascade from there. Yeah, and like Mikey Petrazzo plays 45 minutes in Edmonton and then we don't see him for months after as well. He looked excellent too in some of the Um, action that we'd seen at home as well. Yeah, that second half against Halifax, he was driving it all on. Um, And then, yeah absolute freak one there for him too so and then Austin that that was like a bit of a heartbreaker in terms of that night in uh, Ottawa in that cup game with him there as well Um, we're all we were all really excited about him joining the squad too it was it was uh, especially the year he'd had out out in Winnipeg yeah and you, you know there's risks with players when they're coming back from injury you certainly know there is but we had Austin for six weeks before he signed for us. Um, and he was in full training for six weeks. And then that happens two games in. It's it's really unfortunate. Um, the 23-man squad does make it hard. Um, but at a pretty similar game volume um, as TFC, like 
I think we've used exactly the same number of players as them in league play this year. So it's just the nature of where we are um, when we're doing it as well, not with the same sort of rules and regulations that MLS do on charters and flying scheduled flights around the country and things like that. It's going to have an extra bit of wear and tear on the bodies and smaller squad sizes and everything else like that. So, yeah, it's not been as consistent as we like. Um, and that that does get to the guys. No two ways about it. But the, the motivation in that dressing room and how do guys feel, um, they're as annoyed as you guys, possibly. And I'm not even saying it's possibly. They're as annoyed as you guys, probably more so. And some are scared as well um, because it's worked for them. Um, some are like thousands of miles and have up sticks from Colombia, from Argentina and left wives and kids at home to come and do this. Um, mm -hmm. So they really want it. And I think um, it's very easy to be so-and-so's this, so-and-so's that. Why can't they do this? Why can't they do that? Um it's a really lonely place when it doesn't stick. Uh, and it's a really lonely place when it doesn't stick and you're in a foreign country and away from family and stuff like that. And these guys genuinely put it in every single week for you guys. And I hope everyone does realize that. Uh, we see it on their faces when it doesn't go well, because, you know, a lot of those veteran players that we talk about and the experienced guys are the first ones down to that end. Um, and, and you see it in their eyes in the, on their face there, you know, they're, they're they're applauding us and they're they're put on a brave face, but you can tell it hasn't gone over well and the result isn't what they were looking for. No, and even like fronting it, like they've not loved me in terms of a couple of times this year when we've got beaten, but we've said to them, No, come on, get out there, you're signing autographs, these people have paid. They are helping fund this for us all. Um get out there, chin up, and we've got to keep going and moving forward. And uh, the playing staff, the coaching staff, the coaching staff drive that. The playing, the, the players take that on every single day, and it matters to them. And uh, and I just hope, in terms of everyone, it's just how much it matters to them. I've I've got a, a quick question about um, less on the playing side, and more on facilities and um, and infrastructure. I know there was some talk about a CSA facility up in Vaughan. And I was wondering if that's going to affect the Woodbine project going forward or if everything's going to go ahead as per the plans that were announced a few months ago. Yeah, uh, the Woodbine, the Woodbine project. This was, I knew this was coming up tonight for sure from someone. No, I'm happy to chat about it. Um, we continue to work on the Woodbine project. Um, I received some pretty interesting stuff in my inbox on it all today. And, uh, really happy with how it's shaping up and and how it's all looking um look canada soccer's project in vaughan um like good on them if they can get that up and running that site in north maples had however many planning applications turned down to turn it into uh domes for soccer facilities over the years from the residents that are up there um the Baldazara family and green park group own the a lot of the surrounding land around the project um and they're obviously in the woodbine project with us um so there is no commercial benefit to them as the family to uh be the people that many thought would be funding that project um and won't be um they are fully committed to the project at woodbine and 
ultimately it's a feasibility study that the last I saw um, was out to tender for the feasibility study, let alone yeah. for the plans for construction for anything else. And we've got to woke up in 2026. We've got a parcel of land at Woodbine that is zoned um, for sports and entertainment uses. Um, we have plans that are at a decent and advanced stage with the landlord in Woodbine um, who have come out publicly and said the land is there to commit to elite level professional soccer. Um, and we informed Canada Soccer and we informed them of our plans around this site in a Zoom meeting and they still went ahead um, with the the stuff at North Maple. So, look, it's uh, it's all there. It's an open invite. I think it makes a lot of sense for people, proximity to the airport, everything that sits there. Um, I don't think North Maple will have any effect on what we're looking to do. I genuinely believe we've got a plan that with the requisite support from various people, from federal agencies, from the city, um, from the province, we could be up and running. And with the way we're looking to construct the stadium, it's something that could be constructed in less than nine months um, and the performance centre and everything else to follow. So we're there. We have a plan. Um, it's full steam ahead. And uh, yeah, come and chat to us. We're, we're more than willing to work with anyone that wants to make this bigger, better and provide the infrastructure that's needed for the World Cup because I sit there, uh, you guys know um, of my previous work um, with the Colorado Rapids and that organisation and I look and I go, how on earth has Denver missed out as a host city for the World Cup when you compare facility for facility with any of the Canadian cities that are in it and there are a number of other cities across the US that lost out um, with far superior stadia and training facilities as well so we've got to get our act together and produce some stuff that's worthy of a World Cup. Well this is a big stamp though if if, if things go ahead as you want I mean within this league to have a club able to put a project like that together and, and follow through on it. I mean, you know, we did just finish mentioning, um, you know, the, having to deal with the idea that players are going to come and go as this league grows. But, you know, as fans of a club to be able to, to see something like that, a project like that come to come to fruition and, and go through. I mean, that that's a massive step in a four-year-old league that to have us build a ground like that. It would be for us, but it would be for absolutely everyone. I think that's um, what I mean. Yeah. When, when you look at it, not just that, but um, I, I think, when you look at what goes on in the US in soccer, you wrap some stuff in the US flag and everyone turns up. I think the mood of the country right now, if we're actually able to embrace and wrap a few more things in the Canadian flag, um, why, why can't CPL clubs be hosting games for... We've just had an under-20 squad that I don't think performed to their potential and are now, because of that, we don't have an under-23s programme. So... We'd love to, as groups of owners within the clubs within CPL, look at how we can help youth national programs at under 20, at under 18, at under 23, and host games that generate revenue to pay for these programs. Um, and we've got a great partner in One Soccer to air them as well, because I think the demand's there for people to see these games and people want to see the stars of tomorrow in CPL. They'd love to see the stars of tomorrow in 
Canada's red and playing other countries from around the world and being in CPL Stadia and that I think bring more people through the doors of CPL Stadia to learn about York United or that's it, that dirty word forge or Ottawa or, <laughs> or wherever else. But like it's it's there. It it's so, so there. And like the the project, the runway, everything that can be built in this country, everyone should be so proud and just be dragging mates along and saying, get in now, because this really could be something. Um, but we've got to get some foundational pieces there as well. And look, it, Ian's jumped on and I've he's your guest on this today and I've dominated the time, but he's been around the national setup for a long time. Um, and more and more is needed and he's seen it as a player. Um, and I think we've got the chance to use the CPL as a springboard for infrastructure across the country. Here, here, I would say, um, just switching over to Ian, maybe, uh, Ian, I mean, you're really in, you're 100% involved in your calling games. Are you allowed to have a favourite team in the CPL? Um, <laughs> allowed to, yes. Do I? Are yeah. they wearing blue and green? Hey, it would have been the closest to where I grew up, so yeah. Excellent. I grew up in Brampton, so if I... If I'd have still been living down down there instead of moved out or moved further south, I'd be uh, I'd have been a York United fan for sure. But it's it's one of those. I'm just enjoying it. It, it, it when I first started coming involved, I I had I, I nearly joined one team the first year. Um, things fell through last minute, and that, nothing else ever materialized. But I've had friends playing for other teams, so it's kind of like I just support who's on the on the on the TV or who I'm calling or whatever. I was very good friends with Dave Edgar, Marcel de Jong, Nick Ledgerwood. Um, I know Mike Petrasso very well. And obviously I, I grew up with Dwayne De Rosario. So seeing his son who I've known since he was knee high, um, seeing him play is awesome. So I do support York, um, Bustos out, out West. I've played with him with the national team. So um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And if, if I was, a little bit further north, I'd probably be at at quite a few York games. But to be to be nice and level, I've not been to a CPL game, and that's a, I've I've been to the final last year because I called it with with Adam Jenkins. But um, I've not been to a a game for any club, so it's uh, I'm keeping myself sitting on the fence for that one. All right, all right. Well, the pies are waiting. Um, Shams can tell you about that. Um, could you maybe, I, I want to just push it a little bit. Could you tell us a little bit about how you prepare for a game in like one or two minutes? When Like we've got Edmonton coming up um, in a couple of days. Um, we need to thrash them to pay them kind of back and push them further down into the bottom so they can eat a wooden spoon. How do you prepare for the games generally? Um. Well, most most clubs, especially now, um, you go through video. Um, certain clubs will send out individual videos for personal performance from the last game that you played, and obviously players on the other opposition where they um, did well or or struggled. Um, so you'll have. I'm, I'm imagining Nashi being the type of player he was. He's he won't be too dissimilar as a coach, so he'll be quite quite into things. Um, so we'll be sending out videos. He'll he'll, he'll he'll they'll run video sessions. 
Um, and then look back at previous games against Edmonton. Um, you do that, you go over where things went well, things went poorly, and then you just do it on the training ground. It's the the 90 minutes you play uh, in the league on the weekend or where, whatever day of the week it's on, that's not where the work gets done. That's where you, you put the, the fine-tuning. Um, everything else is done during the week, and, and Angus will tell you that these these players going on from the, the Valor game will be – be working tirelessly to put things right and that's that's all it is it's all repetition each individual player will have superstitions and things they do throughout the week I know I was pretty over the top with that but it'll be pretty much going back to work and like Angus said is although it's a game you love and you're fortunate enough to do it and get paid for it and do it for a living it's uh it's a work so you're going out and you're never going to want to do poorly at work because you'll lose your job so these players will be going out to try and put things right from the last the last result. So, you know, from your perspective and, and obviously being in a position, you know, you're fortunate to be able to call games as well, kind of puts you in into it at a different level when you're when you're watching. Um, you know, here we are, we're four years into having a domestic league um, that seems to want to stick around. We're talking about building stadiums and 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 adding teams to it, you know, be it can you give us your thoughts on, on these, these first four years and, and what you see for the league going forward? Um, it's First and foremost, it's amazing that Canada's got a league. Um, we've, we've wanted one for years and years, and we started out like back in my day, we didn't have these avenues. So when I was living in, in Brampton, my avenue was finish high school and go to university or take a punt and go abroad. And I took the ladder. I went over at 15. Um, we had Toronto Lynx. That was our that was our our outlet to stay in Canada. We had no TFC or anything like that. So now that you've got all these pathways, you've got TFC, you've got TFC two, you've got CPL, you've got very good university and college uh, streams of players coming through those. Obviously, plenty of them playing in the CPL now. It's it's still a baby, and we have to look at it realistically. It's the CPL is still a baby. It's four years old. Um, it's it's going to take time, and when you've got your your TFCs and and Montreal and uh, Vancouver, you're they're always going to do what they can to get the the cream of the crop, um, and they do that through their systems. CPL now that they're they're starting to do it and they're starting to to give players uh, careers or the beginning of careers they're starting to compete with them. It's, it's going to take a long, long time to, to get up to the infrastructures and the, the stadiums and the training facilities and everything that the MLS has. But with the right investment, that, this is what Canada calling for the world, qualifying for the World Cup and, and co-hosting in, in four years. It's, this is the sort of thing that we've always needed. You had to add a professional league to that. So now we just need people to be willing to invest not just money, but time and expertise and everything into the system, because the only way it's going to develop and flourish is if it's not just the players and the fans that are doing it, it's everyone corporate, whether it's the, the general managers, presidents, owners, whatever, but companies outside of the clubs coming in and sponsoring the league, sponsoring individual clubs and generating everything that's going to make the league develop and flourish the way I hope it does. I know you, everybody on here hopes it does, but, everyone in Canadian soccer should hope that as well. Any of you lads ready to chime in with anything? Anyone else with questions? 
Yeah, uh, Ian, what's in the water in Brampton? How come there's so many like successful uh, soccer players coming out of the, the small region there? Uh, what's your like take on it? I was going to say that when we're talking about Lowell Ray, that's another Brampton boy that if he's any indication of he's going to be in a Canada shirt for a long time. <laughs> it's, it's how we roll. It's a... Uh, it's, uh... Started out with Jason Bent and Paul Stalteri, then then me and Atiba Hutchinson jumped on, and you had uh, you had Daniel Henry, Junior Hoylet, uh, Ayo Akinola. I know Ollie Platt's sitting here listening, so he'll be able to tell me a few more. Um, but no, it's it's soccer's huge in Brampton. It's we always had on like I think it's it doesn't say it on the signs, but I'm pretty sure it's over a million people in Brampton right now. And for a place that size. I say that size is a lot, lot bigger now than what it was when I left. Um, but it's, it's there's fields everywhere, indoor, outdoor. You you constantly you drive around. You're seeing more people playing soccer there than any sport. It's and I'd be as I'd go as far as saying it's bigger than hockey and and everything in 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 the city right now. And it's it's huge and it's a it's an incredible feeder system for for anybody. We're we work hard. We worked hard when I was there, um, and that's it. It's 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 the hard work, and I think it's just the the upbringing of the players. And it's uh, when you when you just look back at a boy from Brampton is going to be fingers crossed, touch wood, he's fit. He's going to be leading our country out in Qatar. That that's something incredible, and who's to say it's not going to happen again down the line? I have a question for Angus and Ian and actually anybody else who wants to chime in about the the MLS Next Pro with the three Canadian teams that are now in the like the American third tier. Is is that much of a competition for the CPL now, especially for players and seeing as they can offer more money? Is, is that a bit of a problem for CPL going forward? Uh, for me, it's not a problem if there's a pathway to the first team. Um. I think if people are housing players, um, like we, we've got to get there. We've got to build talent pathways and do things there. But look, that that's their pathway. Um, that's their pathway to first team. And I think where they're, and I'll use my recent experience of it and like the deal for Lowell, um, that's an initial stepping stone for Lowell to go west now, integrate in that team settle ahead of getting the opportunity for a first team pre-season um, that's part of their development pathway and a way to integrate rather than him sort of getting lumped in on day one away you go um, it's an incredibly smart way to do it it's an incredibly smart way to integrate younger players and give them opportunities as and when the time is right in their development so a a more thoughtful pathway for them rather than just, right, you're playing in USL Championship or whatever else and structuring it as something that's aspirational through their club. Yeah, it's a threat because they've got some big dollars there that they can do things with. Um, But all my interactions with the three Canadian MLS clubs are, pretty positive you fall out from time to time when you go for a certain player but 
each player is going to have their own sort of path to walk. Um, some players will want to go to an MLS setup and will want, frankly, the kudos or whatever else that brings from day one. Um, and you'll have other players who recognise that the way our league is formatted and some of our rules present unique opportunity for them to be seen. And maybe it's not about an MLS contract for them. Maybe it's about playing overseas and testing themselves at what they feel is the highest level they can in Europe or something there. So each player is going to have their own path to run. And I think like Ian said numerous times, um, isn't it great that there's parallel paths and different ways that these kids can all make it and different opportunities for them. Um, so it's there, but soccer's a global game. Like there's, there's, I'm losing as many kids in the area under 18 with their European passports to go and play in European academies as I am TFCs. So it's opportunity. It's different pathway. It's just a, another bit of competition in a global game where people are now starting to look and we're laughing about Brampton in particular, but like people look at these little gold mine effects around the world. Um, like Russian tennis had it, had no female players in the top 100 in the world. And then suddenly they have an absolute abundance of them um, after the explosion in like the late 90s, early 2000s um, of one or two players. Um, these things make things aspirational and they drive people on in an environment and make people aware of the opportunities that are afforded to them. So it's... I just think it's great that there's parallel paths there. And I think we're very fortunate that right now there's uh, a lot of people who are all committed to the same thing, which is more more opportunities for Canadian players. How that comes about in different ways, I'm not going to tell someone else where it's a chief exec or GM how to run their club, but um, I think it's great that we're all working and liaising together to, to present these opportunities for players right now. Um, and I wanted to ask, and Ian, please correct me if I'm wrong. I've I've, I've not been much of an MLS fan. Um, I really came about with the Canadian Premier League. I, you know, looking through your resume, I don't really see a connection with you in that league. And you talk about Next Pro is it, like, obviously, you you left, you went overseas at a young age, but um, the MLS didn't seem to land on your radar at the end. Really, is there was there a reason for that? Was it, you know, and and would would that path have been different for you if they'd had more of a development structure when you when you left to go overseas? Um, I'll, I'll answer the question the the first bit. Um, to be honest, I was I was eligible to come back, and I think the first time I was ever out of contract was close to my thirtieth birthday, and I put myself on a radar and. Yeah, nobody nobody picked up the phone, which is fine. It, it wasn't anything, no sour grapes or anything like that. I'd have loved to have come back. Um, whether any any one of the any one of the the Canadian teams wouldn't have, wouldn't have bothered me. Obviously, I'd love to have played for TFC, but that was something. It just wasn't written, and that's that's fine with me. I had nearly six hundred games, so I'm I'm content with that, and I'm proud of that. But if there if there would have been those sorts of uh, pathways and development programs and, and leagues when I was 15, 16, I genuinely would have 
thought about it. Um, my dream was always to go abroad anyways. Um, so it wasn't like it was something I, I had to choose one or two. It was, it was always the way I wanted to go. That's, I went on my first tryout when I was 13 years old. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that was, I had A or B. So if they had it back then and we had three, four different pathways, obviously I would have thought more about it. Players like Atiba Hutchinson wouldn't have waited around till he was 21 to go professional. Um, he would have had a pathway instead of playing with Toronto Lynx where no disrespect we were playing with and against when we were 13, 14 years old. Now that these pathways are there, it's, it's obviously, it's an open market. It's you've literally got anywhere. And that's not, it's not just that as well. You've got the OPDLs and you've got league one Ontario, you've got uh, league one out West. It's these pathways are phenomenal. Like there's so many good players. Like even I'm just playing in the London leagues. And I'm playing against uh, and watching League One Ontario play out there and I'm in the league that I'm playing in down here and coaching. And there's some phenomenal kids. Like, it's it's genuinely a breath of fresh air seeing these kids and the way they're being they're being brought up. And it's if it wasn't for these pathways, where would they all – they'd all go into the abyss. They'd all, they'd all disappear. It's down south or nothing. Um, so – to have all these and across that next gen um, with the CPL and even League One Ontario, and that, it's it's great. And you've got so many different places for players to play. And it's something I wish was around when I was younger. Although I probably wouldn't have changed the way I was going. But a lot of good players fell through the net when I was growing up, and um, it would have definitely helped that that era. So you know, you return now, and obviously the stage you're at is this is a situation where you see it. Again, we talked about pathways, and you mentioned some of the coaching you're doing. You're obviously calling games right now. Um, so, does this change your perspective now? Like, is there? Do you see yourself in a in a you know going down a coaching pathway, and especially with the CPL growing like it is? Oh, 100 percent. That's my pathway that I want to do. Um, don't get me wrong. Working alongside Oliver Platt and uh, Gareth Wheeler and Adam Jenkins and all. And Andy Petrillo and all them, it's it's great, and I love every second of it. But I'm a footballer, you know what I mean. I'm I'm involved in the game, and I'm coaching here. I'm still attempting to play, although I'm a little bit older and a little bit more fragile. Um, I'm I'm always involved in the game. I'm head coach of the club I'm at right now, Woodstock Soccer Club, down uh, between Kitchener and and London, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm coaching and learning every day although I played for 20 21 years I'm, I'm I've been a coach for just over 18 months so I'm, I'm learning that pathway right now and all in good time if I if I learn the way I did when I was playing then it's it's somewhere I want to be and wherever that is whether it's CPL League One Ontario University College it's 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 just it's irrelevant but I want to continue progressing this side of my career now that I've I've finished the the on-field part of it Yeah, that's, that's awesome to see if those pathways are there because you wonder, you know, I, I don't know what it would have been like if you're returning 20 years ago, but I'm, I'm assuming if you're going to pursue it at that point, you're, you're going to be staying overseas or possibly down south, but not, not much happening here. So um, I was going to open it up. Anybody else have anything they want to add? Any questions? We're, we're sitting here at an hour and 15 minutes and, and uh, probably getting close to wrapping it up. So I kind of wanted to open it up, make sure if anybody else has anything they wanted to share or ask.
And I think I'll probably take that as being that everyone's uh, everyone said their piece at this point. So look, um, I guess I'll ask you this: Are, are you going to be calling our next game, Ian, against Edmonton? I am not. Um, I'm not rostered again until the end of the month. I've got a very thick month with uh, with my team here, so I'm very limited to my availability. But I'll be on at the end of the month, and hopefully, hopefully going into September as well. So. Fingers crossed! I'll be calling another York United game. Well, it's been it's been enjoyable having you on there and and hearing you contribute to those broadcasts and uh, and uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing you there again. So, but yeah, at this point, um, one more thing, Chris, before we oh, log off, just in case we've absolutely. got anybody listening for, from England, just say a big shout out to York City. Uh, we had a, a someone coming over from York City to watch us against Valor last week and um, we've got another york city fan who's coming over to meet all of us on sunday to go watch the game against edmonton so that's going to be fun anyway shout out to anybody in the uk listening to us oh, Just, absolutely. Um, yeah i think alex from the uh our sort of director of football ops tried to catch up with uh, and i'm not sure if he did i think he managed to catch the lad in winnipeg but um if you guys have the guy who's come across from uh York in the in the UK. We'll try and make sure that we uh, we send him home with a jersey and a couple of bits and pieces because um, I think that's a that's a great little link up that you guys have developed there. And, and thanks very much for that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun watching that grow. So, and absolutely, thanks for bringing that up, Ronan. There's there's a lot going on, and that's actually a great point. Um, it's it's really fun seeing these guys come over and check it out. And I guess you know it's up on us now to return the favor and find our way over there and and. Uh, and go to a few games over on that side. So, um, but that you need to you need to time it where they've got the football on. You can get a day at York races. You'll have a blast. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think we have somebody going over this year at some point, or you know, from our group into that area. So whether or not they're going to get a chance to go to a match, we'll we'll get them to do some scouting for us on what else there is to do in the area. They can get that, and they can pick up one of the no, not one of the the most gorgeous. Jersey in the league, they uh, actually won the Van Ram I think poll for having the top kit with their uh, centenary uh, maroon yeah. gold one, and I'm definitely impartial to the the chocolate and cream striped one, which is hilarious. Has pretty much a sepia tone version of her nine stripes jersey, like her third That's kit. It's continues the connection, doesn't it? It's amazing. So definitely by uh, by the end of their season and they're uh, playing the National League now that they've been promoted last year and hopefully on their way up to League Two. You never know. Absolutely. And, uh, we, we can be rocking a couple of their kits in our stands and uh, they can That's see a stuff. couple of, uh, yeah, exactly, blue and green in the, the, uh, the crowd there at Yorkshire. Well... Yeah, man, that said, look, I, I need to say thank you both to Angus and Ian. It's been great having you guys on. I, I tend to write a, an itinerary out of what to go over, and, and um, to me these things are the most successful when we're all in here chatting and an, an hour and 15 minutes goes by, and I've, I've barely looked at the list. So um, to have both of you take the time to come on and chat with us, um, it's fantastic. Obviously, you know, we're seeing you on the regular, Angus, and, and, and Ian, we greatly appreciate you taking the time to come out and, and contribute to, uh, to the chat, give us some insight on what you're seeing. That was an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for having me, guys. All all I do is soccer, so talking about it on a on a Thursday night isn't an issue. It's I, I just great to see 
a fan club like yourself and a, a club like yourselves trying to push forward. And I know things aren't going right at the moment as far as results go, but hats off to Angus and Nashi and all them for, for the development of the players. And fingers crossed on the weekend, you guys get the result you need or you want and spread that gap between yourselves and Edmonton a little bit further and, and try and close the one above you. Yeah, we're not we're not out of the race yet. So as we can see with some of the moves Angus is making, he doesn't see we are either. So that's all positive signs. Yeah, we got uh, Osaze Di Rosero just jumped three spots up the uh, Golden Boo race with uh, Wero Diaz leaving. And um, let's see if he can uh, chase Wubin's Passius and keep going there. And he'll have a lot of help now with Bo Babuli, a very exciting signing. And uh, Matthew Baldismo, given a bit of a veteran presence. He's a CPL winner last year, as so is Mo. So we got a couple of uh, we got a 2020 and a 2021 champion on the roster. So it is going to be a really exciting stretch. And yeah, just also want to echo uh, Angus and definitely uh, Ian. Thank you both so much for joining. It's uh, it's really fortunate, and and we uh, we really do appreciate the the time. Uh, you you guys take any of our guests take to just uh, as simple as it is chatting football. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's a lot to put into it in this country, as we all know, where we're like, oh my goodness, we have a league now in the year twenty nineteen. <laughs> Believe it or not, so it's it's a fun journey, and we're not even in year five yet. So we uh, we're gonna pick up three points, I think. In, <laughs> And Edmonton, or sorry, at home this week, and then head off to Forge to the city of Hamilton on Saturday the 20th. So a group of us will be there in section 118. And if you have any questions about where the away tickets are, you can message uh, either of the accounts that are co-hosting this. And we'll hook you up with the ticket link, and we'll be really loud there in Hamilton next Saturday. And for those that know me, I now face the eternal struggle of not showing up in Hamilton with a, with a York Mobabuli shirt on. So I think I, my, my closet's full enough right now. And, yeah, and just, uh, just so you all know, if uh, if anyone wants a Mo shirt, I, uh, he will be wearing the same number 18. And uh, I'm sure we can arrange for free personalization uh-huh, for Mobabuli uh, jerseys if anyone wants them. A man after my own heart, Angus. Always selling. Got to be. Um, <laughs> but no, thanks very much, guys. Hey, as ever. And, uh... All right. Well, and yeah, I think, oh, sorry, one, one very last thing. I think, uh, I don't know, someone just texted me and said uh, from our ever attentive uh, media guy said that to mention, someone mentioned uh, how was Nashi. Um, he's, oh, yeah. obviously, he's obviously fully back with the team, fully recovered. Um, Felt fine throughout it all. Just uh, we have protocol to follow. Absolutely. Well, that's good news. Well, it's good to have everyone back together, and hopefully we'll see Mo in there on, on Sunday if, thing, if luck falls our way. And, uh, yeah, again, thanks to everyone. Thanks to Angus. Thanks to Ian. Uh, thanks to the rest of the lads who showed up tonight to have a chat. Ed. Yeah, cheers. That was great. That was good. Time always goes much faster than I expect. We have Absolutely. a lot gone through, and we, we – I mean – I think next time we still won't be done. That's brilliant. And thanks very much, Angus, for I mean you you're you're there all the way through. I mean, that's that's fantastic. We really yeah. appreciate that. Thank you. No bother, guys. Have a great night. Cheers. Right yeah. Thanks, Ronan. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Juan. And thanks, Jason, for for hosting and co-hosting with me. And uh yeah, it's been fun. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks.
Come on, you nine stripes. Come on, you nine stripes. (laughs) You guys at the Pyrac. Yep, see you at the Pyrac. Thanks again for joining uh, Mr. Ian Hume. Have a good night, everyone.